Galatians chapter 3. Chapter 3 is a very interesting chapter. The word faith is used 15 times. So what do you think the emphasis of Galatians chapter 3 is? Faith. Repetition is God's volume control. God emphasizes His truth in the Word of God by repeating it over and over and over again. But it's interesting, if you ask the average person in America today, do you have faith? Yes, I have faith. I'm a spiritual person. We hear that over and over again. Oprah Winfrey's a spiritual person, right? But what spirit? You have faith, but faith in what? We are to have faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ, the one who came and was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, went to a cross that was not his own and died was buried and rose from the dead the third day, proving that He was and is and always will be God the Son. Amen? That is what we have faith in. That's been revealed to us through the Word of God. So we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in His revealed, written, inspired Word. And we're going to see some more about that here in a few minutes. But faith, 15 times faith in this book of Galatians or in this chapter 3 of the book of Galatians. I'll tell you what, the busier life gets, the more we need to walk by faith. The more trouble that comes into our lives, the more we need to walk by faith and live by faith. And that's exactly what chapter 3 is about. So what we're going to do, I've got three points today. The first point is basically the review of last week, what we looked at from the text last Sunday morning. Then we're going to go into the good news. So the first part is the bad news. How many of you would agree that there was some bad news last week? It's bewitching. It's bad. But we're going to get the cure. My message this morning is the cure for the bewitching of the world. The cure for the bewitching of the world. So let's, first of all, let's look at the criticism. Uh, isn't that fun? How many of you enjoy criticism? Yeah, when you're doing it, right? But not when you're receiving it. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you. How many of you were in the military? Would you raise your hand? You were in the military. You guys get this. Your sergeant would get, okay, maggots. <laughs> right? How many of you experienced something like that? Or football. Coach, okay, ladies. Right? All of that. We, some of us have experienced that, but in a teaching setting, that's just not what we're used to. But this is the inspired Word of God. This is the Apostle Paul writing the inspired words of Scripture. And these Galatians were foolish. Let me tell you why they were foolish. If we go all the way back to the beginning of our study, we learned that they were a fickle people. They would give themselves to one leader and then change. Give themselves to one truth and then change. That sounds like 20th century America, doesn't it? How's that hope and change going? How many of you only have change now? You know, they just... Uh, and it's interesting how that that's the fickle nature of the world. Those people are called independents, right? Independents. Uh, one person said a moderate is one who believes in nothing. And then the people on the wings, the fringes, the kooks, are the ones who uh, who hold thine uh, uh, on truth. Well, I'll be a kook. Amen. I will be a kook. You know why? I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be a fickle Christian. I want to be one that's sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to be bewitched by the world. I want to be focused on what is lasting and what is valuable and what is true and what's good. 
And the world doesn't want that. The world doesn't want it at all. Okay, so here we are. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? So we learned last week some realities. Some realities. The first reality was the reality of plain speech. Plain speech is good. Now, Laura and I watched the Republican debate last night. And on some of the questions, here's what I wanted them to say. Okay, Diane, that's a stupid question. Of all the questions in the world you could ask, you have men that are trying to become the President of the United States, and that's the best you've got? How many of you would just stand up and cheer if one of, the, one of them just did that just once? Right? Plain speech is good. It's good. Plain speech is holy. It's right. It's inspired. It's loving. It's helpful. It's profitable. And it's necessary. That's a reality. We see another reality here. Oh, foolish Galatians. How many of you believe that foolishness is a reality? Uh, <laughs> this is funny. I don't think I said this last week. How many of you had a father or a grandfather say that they were going to beat the foolishness out of you? How many of you ever heard? How many of you got? Yeah. I'm not sure that it worked, but to, I heard that. And my father would say this. That's enough foolishness. And when he said that, there was no discussion. <laughs> Father, what do you mean by foolishness? Is what I'm doing right now foolish? <laughs> that never would have crossed my mind. Do you know why? I do not enjoy pain. <laughs> right? So we have the reality of plain speech and the reality of foolishness. But the reality of foolishness is this. There's foolishness in me. That all of us have the potential for foolishness. And we're all of us are only one decision away from being a foolish person. And so there's the reality of plain speech, and plain speech helps in the area of foolishness. But there's another reality here. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Obedience to the truth is a reality. Obedience is a reality, and disobedience is a reality. And at any moment, you are either living in a state of obedience or a state of disobedience. There's no in-between. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. There is only obedience and disobedience. That's a reality that's demonstrated in Scripture. And then there's another reality. There's a reality of, of plain speech, the reality of foolishness, the reality of, of obedience, but there's also the reality of the crucified Christ. So foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. How many of you are glad Jesus Christ died on the cross for you? That's a reality. And that ought to be a controlling reality in our lives. When life gets hard, we weren't crucified. When I have to make a choice between the Lord and the world, Jesus Christ was crucified for me. He's bought me. He's, he's, I was bought with a price. I'm not my own. I belong to Him. The reality of that crucified life needs to be big in my life. It needs to be before my eyes, that reality of the crucified life. And we talked about the, the, the importance of us living that crucified life in front of our family and friends, especially during these holidays. When you're, when you're together with people that you're not normally together with, live that crucified life. Let them see a difference and then tell them the truth, as we saw last Sunday night. Um, so some realities. The reality of plain speech, foolishness, obedience to the truth, and the evident crucified Christ. 
So this criticism, why was it there? What was the purpose for the criticism? What was the reason for it? Well, they, were, they had been bewitched. They had been bewitched. And we said, don't be looking for Elizabeth Montgomery. That's not what we're talking about on this. How many of you ever tried to move your nose like that? And I'll tell you what, if I ever moved my, no- my, my nose and that noise happened, I'd go to the doctor. <laughs> right? This, this bewitching, what is it? It's a fascination with the world. It's being charmed by the world. It's being under the spell of the world. And that's what it would take to take you away from the reality of the Word of God, the reality of the crucified Christ. And so we have the reason is, is bewitching. And, and man, life is bewitching, isn't it? Things become so busy. And the reality of, of finances, the reality of relationships, the reality of, of, of hard work and, and conflict at work. and Those are realities, aren't they? But you know that those things can bewitch us? They can distract us from what God has called us to do? And I'll tell you this, when you're walking with the Lord, when you're walking with Him and in His Word and you're living that crucified life, you are better able to handle the stresses of life. It's just better. See, obedience is always good. Whatever God asks us to do, it's for our good because He is good and He only intends good for us. That's where that obedience becomes so important. So reasons, reasons, bewitching. And what did that bewitching do? It caused them not to obey the truth. How many of you have ever experienced, and you don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you have ever been distracted by the world and that's kept you from doing something that you knew you were supposed to do for the Lord? I think that would be a universal experience. Would you agree? All of us have been distracted by the world from doing something that we are supposed to do. The Bible calls that bewitching. Well, that's just me. You know, I struggle with this. No, you're bewitched. You're bewitched. Obedience is possible through the Holy Spirit. So this, this bewitching takes place, and what that does is it keeps us from obeying the truth. And we looked at some examples of that last week. And then uh, I love the question, who hath bewitched you? Who are your influencers? Who is it that's persuading you that the world is better than Christ? Who is it that's persuading you that things outside of God's plan for you are better for you? Who is it that bewitched you? That's a good question, isn't it? Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? How many of you think it's a good idea to get your political opinions from The View? Because there's some geniuses on there, right? Pastor, you're meddling. I'm just telling you. There's so much stupidity. I, I, I can only stand about five minutes. I, I've turned it on to watch it just to see what the, you know, the attraction is. <laughs> Make me just want to kill myself listening to that stuff. Don't get your opinions from there. But neither can you get your political opinions from ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN. The thing that we have to understand is those people hate you. They hate you. Pastor... That's mean. No, it's plain speech, and it's true. Do we have anybody here that believes the Bible? They think you're crazy. They think you're dangerous. They think you're a terrorist. They do. You understand that these are the people that put us on the terrorist watch list. How many of you think that abortion's wrong? Well, you're a terrorist. How many of you believe the Word of God? Then you're a terrorist. That's what these people think of us. 
So let's be informed by them. Who are your influencers? Who hath bewitched you? Right? There are all kinds of influence in the world. Are they good influences? Are they bad influences? We have to watch who we are listening to. That's the criticism. That's the criticism. Who hath bewitched you, O foolish Galatians? Who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. That's the criticism. But you know that whenever we do something, that was the first point. How many of you are glad that first point's over? Would you say amen? Yeah. I don't like criticism. Um, here's something that I've learned. I'm only 48 years old. But in my 48 years, I've learned something. That whenever I do something that violates God's best for me, it costs me something. So we see the criticism, but there's a cost. There's a cost for walking away from the Lord. There's a cost for the disobedience. And, and the, 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 the bewitching exacts a price from us. And let's look at what that price is. Look at verse 4. Have ye suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain. You see, all of us who have made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with our lives, it's cost us something. Would you agree with that? It's cost us something. Remember when you first got saved and you're excited about the Lord and you realize He saved me. I get to go to heaven. It's free. And you're all excited about it. And all of a sudden, your friends were less important to you than the Lord Jesus Christ. And you lost some friends because of your faith in Christ. And that was okay. That was a price, but it hurt. It hurt you to have your friends walk away. Or when you, you got saved and you wanted to share that, you realized that you could have eternal life. You realized you didn't have to do a bunch of stuff to go to heaven. And you get all excited and you go and tell your family and they say, what are you, crazy? If you're an altar... You're a, and then fill in the blank. If you're going to be in this family, you're going to be a Catholic or Presbyterian or Mormon or Jehovah's Witness or whatever. If you're going to be in this family, you're going to shut up that talk. Right? I've always thought it was interesting. Well, I just want to tell you that I know that I'm going to heaven. Well, I'm going to heaven. Well, how are you going to heaven? Because I'm a good person. And shut the blankety-blank-blank up with that stuff. Don't talk to me about that God stuff. Really? That's good? James Knox gave that, in a message I was listening to, gave that same analogy. And he said to that person, I think you're deceived of the devil which was plain speech, I thought. Um, it's interesting. It is interesting that those of us, when we get saved and we decide to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with our lives and we take a stand for the Lord and that's rejected and we pay a price among our friends, we pay a price in our homes, we pay a price. But that hurts. You know, the high of taking a stand for the Lord is followed by the pain of loneliness. The pain of rejection. The pain of family members who talk about us behind our backs and who, who think that we and our families are just weird. And that hurts. It's hard. 
And many of us have experienced that kind of pain when you choose. But here's what happens when you get bewitched by the world. Was it all in vain? That stand that you took for the Lord, are you now going to go back on that so that your family thinks, see, I knew it was just a stage. I knew it was just something that they're going through. Did you suffer that before them for nothing? How many of you have been on a diet? Right? How many of you need to go? <laughs> no, don't raise your hand. Um, and you work real hard. This is me, okay? I'll get to where... What I do is I get to where my clothes don't fit anymore and I'm too cheap to buy new clothes. And so then i got to start losing the weight. And so you, I go on a diet and I work real hard for three or four days. And I make some progress. And then I deserve a banana fudge nut sundae from Culver's. It's just one. It's just one. And you haven't had it in a long time, so you go and you just bury your face in it, right? And what happens? In one day or one weekend, you lose all the progress you made in the diet. How many of you have ever done that? Right? It's true, isn't it? You start working out. I'm going to work out. Right? And so you kill yourself. Here's what's funny. The first day you work out, that's not so bad. About three, day, three hours later. And so you go, and you, and you know you got to wait a day in between. So the next day you go, and all of a sudden that stuff that was really easy, now it hurts. I, I mean, it hurts. Right? And you do it. You work through it. And you get going for about six weeks, and you start seeing the change. Hey, there's muscle there. Now, some of you guys have never seen that before, but really it works. <laughs> There's muscle there. And then you get busy. And you stop for two or three months. And everything that you did is gone. And again, you guys wouldn't understand that. When you get past 40, it doesn't take two or three months. You look down, I worked so hard and it's just gone. It was all in vain. Why? Because I didn't continue. All of that suffering in the diet, and dieting is suffering. I don't care what anybody says. Jack LaLanne always said, if it tastes good, spit it out. <laughs> Man, I hate that philosophy right there. I don't, who cares if you live to 90 at that point, right? What's, isn't that, what's the point? Now look. How many of you would agree with that? Seriously, how many of you would agree with that? Amen. I'm going to heaven. There's milk and honey there. No fat. I've often thought that it would be sticky, though, you know, the land flowing with milk and honey. All right, now, here's the deal. And it's so true. That suffering in the diet or that suffering in exercise, it produces something. You're healthier in the diet. You're you're more productive in your body and God expects you to care for your body. Would you all agree with that? But if you stop, all that was in vain. But what about the suffering that you experienced in your family, in your friends, at work? If you get bewitched by the world and you walk away from the Lord, all of that suffering that you endured, it's in vain for you and it's in vain for those who saw it. 
And this is something that I think um, people who live in other parts of the country, pastor friends, they don't understand the way that it is here. The idea of actually witnessing to somebody for 20 years before they finally hear you. That's what this is. That's what this can be like here. Would you all agree with that? You got to live with them as a believer living the Christian life for 10, 15, 20 years for it to be effective. What happens if that person was going to come to Christ after 20 years and you stopped after 15? All that 15 is in vain. It's in vain. Have you suffered in vain? Have you suffered all these things in vain? Man, that's awful. Because the suffering is worth it to see that person come to Christ. It's worth it to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's worth it to be obedient to His Word. So we saw the criticism, and we see the cost. Uh, I want you to see something about when we look into the past. Alexander McLaren said this. He said, For almost any reason, it is good for us to be delivered from our prevailing absorption in the present. It's good for us to be delivered from our prevailing absorption in the present. And I don't know about you, but this is something that I deal with. I deal with the right now. I need this now. I want to eat this now. I need that donut right now. Amen. (laughs) Kathy, I know there's going to be donuts in heaven. I know there's going to be. I've suffered much not eating those donuts. Now look. Look. This is so important. If for the now, if I live for the present, then I'm going to miss what God has planned for me for the future. And I'm not going to lose my salvation. But that blessing of sacrifice is not going to be there. And it's that way in every area of life because that's the way that God's ordered the world. That's where we are. That's where we are. That cost. So we have the criticism and we have the cost. Are you ready for this? Now the good news. Here's the cure. What's the cure? Look at verse 5. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Okay, so who is it that ministers the Spirit? It's God. Remember, Jesus Christ sent the Holy Spirit to us. Is that right? It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Holy Spirit will not come unto you. So Jesus Christ sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and Jesus Christ sends the Holy Spirit into your life when you're born again. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in you. Who is it that did that? It's God. Now, did that happen because of your good works, or did it happen because of faith? Faith. Fifteen times in in chapter 3 of the book of Galatians. He talks about faith. So here's the answer to our problem. Here's the answer to the bewitching of the world. The Spirit of God. You have the Holy Spirit of God, and He has ministered to that, 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 that Holy Spirit to you. And notice what it says. Look at what it says in verse 5. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you. How many of you could use a miracle right now? Okay, we're all going to get in a bus. We're going to only believe. <laughs> that wasn't right at all, was it? But seriously, how many of you could use a miracle right now? You've heard me say, amen, Kathy. You've heard me say this before. Most of us never ask God for anything that Bill Gates couldn't give us. 
It's true. And Bill Gates cannot perform miracles. Of course, getting a computer to work is a miracle for me. Nathan tells me I'm technologically cursed. But seriously, do you know that the Holy Spirit of God still does miracles? I don't do miracles. You don't do miracles. But the Holy Spirit of God still works miracles. Do you know what a miracle is? Miracle is going to be changing your vile body into one that's like Christ. Remember what the Bible says about that? Look at Philippians. This, this passage is always so amazing to me. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 and look at verse 20. <coughs> For our conversation is in heaven... Isn't that awesome? This isn't our home. Remember that old song, This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasure is laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I don't feel at home in this world anymore. We have here no continuing city, the Bible says. Our conversation's in heaven. Look what it says. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at what it says here. Who shall change our vile body? Is that plain speech? Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself? Look at the power it takes to change your vile body. The power that it takes to subdue everything in the universe, everything in the world. That's how much power it takes to change us. You know who can do that? The Holy Spirit of God. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. How many of you have experienced genuinely a miracle in your life where God has changed you in a way that you never thought possible? God can take a mean person and make them loving. God can take a stubborn person and make them receptive. God can take a mean person and make them nice. Laura Alter. God can, look, look, God can make an obtuse person, Jim Alter, and make him kind of sensitive. Hey, to make me aware of anything other than myself is a miracle of God. And it really is. Remember what the Bible says? Can a leopard change his spots? Can an Ethiopian change his skin? No! Who's going to change you? Only the Holy Spirit of God. And when He makes you like Christ, that's a miracle of God. That's what God has done in you. Uh, we make a mistake by thinking of miracles as restoring limbs. Now, can God restore limbs? Yeah, but that's what Jesus did when He was walking the earth. That's what the apostles did when they were, they were walking the earth. That never happens at a faith healer. Man, you bring somebody like that, they turn and run the other way. Jesus Christ can do that. God can do that. The miracles that are worked among you are what God does in you and through you. How many of you have had a loved one come to Jesus Christ and there's no doubt about it that that was a miracle? God can do that. Who's doing it in you? The Holy Spirit of God. But how did He do that? Because of your works or because of faith? What does the Bible say? Look at verse 5 again. We're back in Galatians. 
Look at what it says. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Well, of course, it's by the hearing of faith. And so here we are. What's the cure for my bewitching? Well, it's the Holy Spirit of God. How does that happen? By faith. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand here, but how many of you, you need God to do something. We're talking about a miracle. But how many of you need a miracle of God in you? Maybe the miracle is God would give you a passion for the lost. To open your eyes and see that people are dying and going to hell. These people that put the nativity scene in their front yard, most of them don't have any idea what it means. It's just Christmas time. See, we have to understand that we need to have our eyes open. The Holy Spirit of God needs to give us a passion for those who do not know the Savior. We need that Holy Spirit of God to help us, to teach us discernment, to keep us from being bewitched by the world. The world's going to want to tell you that you need to do everything except serve Him. Amen? You know, there, there are bewitched people all over this world. There are so many people that got up today and got dressed, put on their best clothes to go to church to learn about God, and somebody stood up in the pulpit and said, if you see a poor person, give them something. And, and God will come to you if you do that. Bible never says that. Never says that anywhere. Now, if you see a poor person, should you help them? Yes. But does that have anything to do with that person's salvation or yours? No. All over the world today, people are being lied to. We need Holy Spirit discernment to help us to know how to win those people and help them to, to see it. Holy Spirit. But that's the cure. That's our cure. What's the, what's the next cure? Look at what it says in verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's a, that's a beautiful verse. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. What did Abraham do to get saved? He believed God. It's counted to him for righteousness. So are you saying that Abraham believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? No. No. What did he believe? He believed that God was going to make of him a great nation. Like that, that, his, that his descendants would be like the stars of the sky. That's what he believed. He got up. He left us. He went to a land that he didn't know about. He believed God. And when he believed God, that was counted to him for righteousness. That's what the Bible says. Now, God asked him to believe something different than he asked us to believe. What does he ask us to believe? In the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we believe. We believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's how we get saved. That's not what he asked Abraham to believe. But then look at what the Bible says. This is amazing. Those of you who have been asleep, wake up for this. This is going to be really good. Look at what it says. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. What did Abraham believe? Look at the next verse. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham? And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. Uh, wait a minute. What preached the gospel to Abraham? Verse 8. What does the Bible say preached the gospel to Abraham? Scripture. Scripture. Let's try to figure out what's going on here. Keep your place in Galatians. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 15. 
What is the cure for our bewitching? Well, the first thing is the gift of the Holy Spirit. God gives you the Holy Spirit at salvation. The Holy Spirit is in you. And the only way that you can be bewitched is by quenching that Holy Spirit of God that's in you. Resisting that Holy Spirit of God which is in you. Genesis chapter 15, what's the second part of the cure? Genesis 15, look at verse 1. After these things, what does it say? The word of the Lord. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now look at verse 6. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted to him for righteousness. He believed the word of the Lord. What was the word of the Lord? It was the word that the Lord spoke to him. Is that right? God called that scripture. In the New Testament, that's scripture. Now, we've just gone through this whole big study about scripture and how was it inspired. This wasn't written down for at least 500 years. Moses wrote this down. More than 500 years after God spoke it to Abraham. And what does the book of Galatians say? Preached the gospel to Abraham. The scripture. The scripture. See, this right here, what you hold in your hands, this is a supernatural book. This is the word of God. So how do we keep from being bewitched? Well, let's go back to Galatians chapter 3 and let's see what it says. What is our cure? The cure for the bewitching from the world. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? What's the truth? John 17, 17, what's it say? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. How do we resist the bewitching nature of the world? We have the Holy Spirit of God in us and we have the truth, the word of God. The bewitching of the world keeps us from being obedient to the word. Is that right? So how are we going to fix that? Verse 2. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The answer, of course, is by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? How was Abraham saved? By believing God's Word. How were you saved? By believing God's Word. How are you going to continue? By believing God's Word. It's very simple. The world is going to keep you from listening to the Holy Spirit, and the world is going to keep you from reading and believing and practicing God's Word. So what's the cure? Yield to the Holy Spirit, read, believe, and practice God's Word. That's the cure for the bewitching. James Knox, he, he said this, this was an amazing illustration. Now, how many of you believe that the Bible has the answer to, your, to the issues of life? Y'all believe that? This is going to be plain speech. Are y'all ready? Put your steel-toed shoes on for a minute. This is... When, I, when, it, when, he, when I heard him, I was working in the backyard, hauling brush, listening to this on my iPod. When he said this, I was going, ow! So here we are. Here's what we do. We go to the Bible buffet. 
And the Holy Spirit says, would you like salvation? Yes, I'll take some of that. Would, would you like eternal life? Yes, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll take some of that. Would you like holiness? No, no, I, I don't want that today. I might have that next week. Would you like blessing? Yeah, I'll, I'd love. Give me a big heap of that. I, I really want that. Um, would, would you like some discipline? Um, I'm not ready for that yet. Would you like some discipleship? Uh, maybe a little bit later. Uh, uh, do you have some? Would you like some goodness? Yes, yes, please. Give me that. And that is exactly the way that we approach the Word of God. We want the blessing of God, but we don't want the God that gives us the blessing. We want the benefit without the requirement. Everybody knows. How many of you know that everybody knows that they're supposed to go to church? Right? Everybody knows that they're supposed to live a holy life. Everybody knows that they're supposed to look and talk and act like a Christian. Every believer who's been born again knows this. Is that, would you all agree with that? None of that has anything to do with whether or not you go to, you're, you're saved. I, I, can't look at, I can't look at Charlie and then look at Chad and i got to say this. How many of you saw that right there? It was not fake. Sometimes people say, he was preaching right at me. He had me in mind when he was saying that. I can't remember your name when I'm preaching. How, how in the world am I thinking about you when I'm preaching that? Would you, would you all agree that that's true? I was on a date one time, went to introduce the girl and couldn't remember her name. So that relationship didn't last. Now look, I can't look at Charlie and look at Chad and say, he's saved and he's not. Can't see that. God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Amen? So their appearance has nothing to do with whether or not they get to go to heaven. Right? But wouldn't it be nice if we actually did look like Christians? How many of you think that Lady Gaga looks like a godly lady? Right? So then maybe let's not, as young ladies, look anything like that. Now, how many of you think there's something in between a godly lady and Lady Gaga? Yeah, like the whole world, right? So just a shade to the right of Lady Gaga is not holiness. Amen? But if you do dress like Lady Gaga, that doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you go to heaven. Of course, no one would ever think you were. But it doesn't have anything to do with it. Would you all agree with that? And yet... And yet, if I'm going to live the Christian life, if I'm going to live the Christian life, I've got to have the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And here's what we do. We say, Lord, I know that you want me to do this, but I'm not going to do it. And then when the child gets sick and you go and you pray. Now, aren't you glad that God's not vindictive? He still helps you. Amen? I'm not saying that God won't help your sick child if you haven't tithed. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen? But, how many of you think 
that if you were honoring the Lord God with your money, that that would be better. I always think it's so interesting that people who are not honoring God with their money go to God and ask Him to help with their finances. I, I think it's hilarious that people that are not honoring God with their children go and ask God to help their children. That, that People that are not honoring God in their relationships, they ask God to help them in their relationships. And I know as a, as a counselor myself, if I'm counseling, let's say that, that I'm counseling Nathan and Shauna, and boy, do they need help. Let's say that I'm counseling Nathan and Shauna, and they won't do anything I say. They just, they don't, that's just not going to go on very long. I have other things to do. Amen? And the Bible says not to do that. If, if, if you have a fool, that's a person that refuse, refuses instruction. Stop giving them instruction. That's what the Bible says. Do you know that God does that with you? God will not reveal more truth to you until you obey the truth that he's already revealed. And so here's the cure for bewitching. The cure for bewitching. Being sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you through his word that is read, studied, understood, practiced. What's that old song say? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. doesn't say to have eternal security. It says to be happy in Jesus. What's the cure for the bewitching of the world? Holy Spirit of God and the Scripture, the Word of God. God's given you all the answers for your life. If you'll just believe Him. If you'll just believe Him. Now, let me ask you, how many of you the Holy Spirit has convicted you about something in this message? Would you raise your hand? All right. Here's the deal about guilt. Guilt has no place in the life of the Christian. You have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You respond to that conviction of the Holy Spirit by confessing that to the Lord Jesus Christ and changing, asking the Holy Spirit to help you change whatever it is that He's convicted you about. God will do that. You can go home from here different. But then, who are you going to listen to? Who is going to be with you? When you leave here, having confessed whatever it was that the Spirit spoke to you about, having confessed whatever, whatever that is to the Lord, if you go home and keep listening to those same voices, that can diminish the influence of the Word of God in your life like that. Amen? So what are we going to do? Listen to the right voices. What are we going to do? Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit by spending time in His Word being obedient, spending time around God's people. Do you know what we're going to do tonight? Tonight at 5.30, I'm going, to, I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to look at the five questions that the Apostle Paul has asked by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Five questions in Galatians chapter 3. We're going to look at those five questions and we're going to look at the answer of Scripture from them. That's going to help you to apply this to your life. Or are you going to listen to another voice that says, you know what, you don't need that. You don't need the instruction of God's Word. Once is enough. See, these are examples of what Satan does in our lives, just distracts us from what's important. The study of his word, the fellowship of others. I'm going to tell on Josh Divens. Josh Divens one time said to me, I shouldn't really do this, he carries a gun. <laughs> one time Josh Divens said, you know, sometimes I feel like... It, why do I even need to be at church? How many of you ever felt that way? And here's what I said to him. I said, 
you never know who's going to need you. That was on like a Thursday. Sunday, he came to church. And that Sunday, Chad Hollinger came and made a connection with Josh. After church, I saw them talking. After church, Josh came over to me and said, Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Chad got saved. You know, why? Because that's God's plan. God's plan is for people to make connections with other people in the house of God. That's how important you are to God's work. It's so important that we submit to Him, but the world distracts us from all of that. Aren't you glad He saved you, whether or not you come to church at all? Amen. Aren't you glad you get to go to heaven, whether you dress like a Christian or not? Amen. Aren't you glad you get to go to heaven, whether you're true to your wife or not? But how many of you think maybe we ought to be true to our wives? Dress right. Honor the Lord with our time, our talent, our treasure. Amen. That's the cure for bewitching. Lord, thank you so much for your word. It's so powerful. It's so real.